Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I have been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. Today, we are speaking with Sharon Sakovich. Sharon was born, raised, and educated in Massachusetts. Sharon moved to Maine 26 years ago to continue her career as an environmental geologist. In 2003, while working as a geologist, Sharon earned a master's degree in public policy at USM's Muskie School of Public Policy, where she directed her studies towards animal welfare issues. Her MS capstone project focused on spay and neuter as a solution to the companion animal overpopulation problem. Little did she know that 22 years later, when she first volunteered to feed and trap feral cats on Portland's waterfront, that she would be laying the groundwork for her next career as a legislative advocate for everything spay-neuter as the spay-neuter and community cat program manager at the Animal Welfare Society Animal Shelter located in West Cunnybunk, Maine. As co-founder of Spay Maine, Sharon helped direct a statewide effort to create and fund the state's low-cost spay-neuter program called Help Fix Me. Help Fix Me became operational in July 2004 and has spayed and neutered over 18,000 of Maine's cats and dogs. In 2011, as a volunteer at the Animal Welfare Society, Sharon led the effort to create a low-cost spay-neuter clinic at that shelter. This resulted in her second career as the Clio Fund Manager. The Clio Fund is the shelter's statewide low-cost spay, neuter, and feral cat program. This program provides free spays and neuters, health exams and rabies shots for feral cats across the state, and low-cost spay neuter for owned cats and dogs. It also has a full-time cat trapper on staff. Sharon retired this past August, but continues her work with both state legislation and feral cats. Sharon, welcome to the show. Thank you, Stacy. So I know you are in Maine. I am in Vermont. And it is a cold day in late October. I'm expecting a little bit of snow this afternoon. I don't know about you. Well, it's pretty cloudy here, so <laughs> I'm hoping there's no snow, just rain. I'm a snow fan, actually. My family loves skiing, so we get all excited when the snow falls. <laughs> so, Sharon, you have a very, very interesting background where you were doing research and studies on animal welfare issues quite a few years ago. Very interesting. So can you tell me a little bit more about how you got interested in community cats and how you started? Well, it's so funny because I knew you were going to ask that question. So I was thinking about it, you know, before the show. And then it occurred to me that when I was little in the 60s, there was a house next to my grandmother's house. You know, the yards kind of abutted each other. And there were all kinds of cats in that backyard. And my mom was a waitress at the time, and she would collect the food, the uneaten food, at work in these white buckets and bring it home. She worked nights. And in the morning, her and I would get in the car, drive over. She would give me the buckets of food. I would send me out down from my grandmother's yard into the backyard of the neighbors, and we, I would put the food out for the cats and then run back to the car. And then as we were driving by the neighbor's house, this is awful, my mother would fling the buckets into their front yard. She was always so mad at them for the uh, state of their cats. But one day I went back there, and there was a very uh, sick cat back there. 
and its ear was all infected and when it ate pus dripped out of its mouth and I came back up to the car sobbing and we went and got a box and a blanket and the cat was so sick we just grabbed it and we got it to the vet that made my mom very angry and I remember I, I hadn't thought about that for in a long time until I realized I was going to have this question so I guess that's how I got started but if you fast forward to my second job after college, when I first moved to Maine, I was out walking. We were young. We'd do happy hour on Friday nights in the old port in Portland. And I was out walking with about 10 or so other newly graduated people. And I was next to a guy and he we started talking about cats. And he's like, oh, do you hear about the cat, the litter of kittens? They're under the Odyssey Whale Watch ticket booth. And I'm like, what? Show me, show me. So we went out there and actually managed to grab one of the kittens and he went home with it. And then a few days later, we went back, we grabbed another kitten, and he went home with that. And after that, I started feeding on the wharfs. And, you know, over time, I'd run into other women feeding on the wharfs. And then we organized, we met one day in a restaurant and was like, you're feeding on Mondays, and I'll feed on Tuesdays. And we kind of divvied up the work. And then we started having yard sales and bake sales, like, you know, most nonprofits start. And then in 1993, we got our nonprofit status and called ourselves Friends of Feral Felines. And it's funny because uh, working on the wharfs, you know, we started TNR and just going in there and like, here we are, we're going to get these cats. And we learned that the fishermen and the, you know, people who own the other fishing related businesses, they liked those cats there. They kept down the rats and rodents and they didn't understand that we were going to go in and TNR and that and that they were worried that they would run out of cats. And we were kind of like, well, we're doing this anyway. And it took a year or two, if I recall correctly, before we all actually started working together, that we're helping these cats, you're helping these cats, you're feeding them, and we all started working together. But it, there was some conflict at first. During the whole time that I was with Friends of Feral Felines, I worked as a fundraising coordinator, volunteer coordinator, a president, a feeder or a trapper. It was all very daunting at first. But anyone with a conscience knows that once you discover an issue that, you know, you're passionate about and you can't go to bed at night knowing you've left a cat out there suffering. Oh, by the way, I ended up marrying that man who first told me about the kittens. Wow, that's a great so, story. Yeah, so that's really how I started in Maine with Friends of Feral Felines. Since then, I've moved on. And after that, I was I heard about a woman who was holding a meeting couple meetings throughout the state because she wanted Maine to have a state-run spay-neuter program, much like New Hampshire. It was right when I was in grad school and I tried to direct my studies toward animal welfare issues. So the timing was right. It was public policy. I joined the group that was thinking about getting the state to start this spay-neuter program. And there were like three of us kind of dropped out as the leaders. And then one one of our three moved away. So it ended up being two of us really being the coordinators for this. But um, by no means did we do it alone. We got legislation passed that started the state Help Fix Me program, which spays and neuters cats right now. And then spays and neuters cats and pit bulls, $10 for a cat, 
$20 for a pit bull. The legislation was written such that each year the animal shelter statistics would be revisited to see what kind of animals are most likely to come into the shelter. So right now, and less likely to get adopted. Like right now, it's cats, and it always has been cats and pit bulls. If someday it ends up being cats and chihuahuas, then chihuahua owners will get the benefit of the program. 80% goes to cats though, 80% of the money goes to cats. And it includes feral cats. And now let's take a moment to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Accidental Exiles by Bruce Perry. Jesse McAllister, a young Texan and a rock war vet, escapes to Europe where he seeks a new direction and to heal his desert wounds. Wandering the streets of Ascona, Switzerland, he meets and falls in love with a beautiful Italian waitress named Sonia Altarelli. Since the horrors of combat he encountered with a boyhood friend, Jesse will have nothing more to do with war. This story is his farewell to arms. Check out Accidental Exiles on Amazon.com today. Are you starting to think about that special holiday gift? Why not give the gift of a Community Cats podcast branded t-shirt, coffee mug, bag, or other item? This is the perfect way to spread the word about helping Community Cats. The proceeds from the sales will go to support the Community Cats podcast and the Community Cats Grants program, which helps small groups grow their fundraising programs to be able to fund more spay-neuter programs for free-roaming cats. Go to www.communitycatspodcast.com and click on our shop button in the menu bar today to get that perfect community cat gift right now. Thank you, everybody, for supporting the show. How does the Help Fix Me program, how is that funded and how is it different from the Clio fund? Okay, well, so the Help Fix Me program isn't, like I said, it's a government program. It's funded in several ways. There's two primary um, means of funding right now. Um, when we first started, we managed to also pass legislation. I should back up. When they, when we got the legislation for the program to start, the legislator said, yes, you can have the program. You have to find the funding for it, though. So we managed to put a fee right now in our state, and I believe most states in the country, in order for a food distributor to distribute food, pet food, in the state, they have to pay a fee. In Maine, they, they pay, did they pay $80 per SKU? That's um, grocery store SKU, you know, the SKU number. Half of that went into Maine's general fund and half of that went to the, the state's animal welfare program. Well, we just, we got legislation passed to add an extra 20 to that 80. So now they have to pay $100 and the Help Fix Me program gets the first $100,000 that that generates. Right now, I believe it generates around $150,000 a year. The Help Fix Me program gets 100 of that, and the state's animal welfare program gets the rest. And it ends up being about $0.34 per pet-owning household, not pet owner, but pet-owning household in Maine, and because the pet food industry obviously passes that on to the consumer. So that's one way we fund it. We also fund it with a tax checkoff box. We help get the legislation for that. Private donations, and more recently, we have uh, an adopted license plate, and that all started 
because of Planet Dog. Planet Dog approached a bunch of uh, animal welfare advocates with the idea that maybe we should have a license plate in Maine, and we managed to get that passed. So you see the adopt license plate, the very colorful license plate. If you come to Maine, it costs $20. Of that 20 10 goes to the state, 10 goes to the animal welfare program, and five of that goes to help fix me. More and more folks are buying those plates. We had little postcards printed up about those plates, and those are distributed to all of Maine shelters so that they put them with their adoption packets, because who's going to buy these plates but people who adopt from shelters? So each year that is growing. So each year we're getting more and more money. But each year we also have to fight off the pet food industry who puts legislation in to get rid of that fee. And so far we've fought them four times and four times we've won, but um, we expect another fight. We, we, the governor's already indicated there's going to be another attempt to um, take that fee away this next legislative session. So you've talked about this role is very advocacy and legislative oriented. While this program does great work, it seems like you're sort of always having to defend your program. Right. The other woman who spearheaded it, Sue Hall, um, if her and I had known, I'm telling you, ignorance <laughs> is blessed. If we had known back in whatever, 15 years ago, that we would still be working on this program, I don't know if we would have done it. The pet food industry is paying two lobbyists. We're fighting lobbyists. We're volunteers. We have no idea what to do and how to go about it. This was a few years ago. Now we're pretty, pretty sure um, mm -hmm. what to do. But yeah. yeah, it was pretty funny at first. <laughs> I mean, lobbying is just going up to these total strangers. And after a while, you get to learn, you learn that, you know, they work for us. The legislators work for us. So right. I can approach them. The lobbyists certainly know that. But I never thought we would be going up there. I thought, okay, we got, we got help fix me passed. We got it funded. We're done. Right, right. Let it work. It's magic. But so tell me about the Clio Fund. What is that? So I retired once before from being a geologist and then I went and volunteered at the animal welfare program and I helped start a low-cost spay-neuter clinic there. It was intended for cats only and it was intended for people who couldn't afford to spay or neuter their cats. After a couple years, an organization called the Clio Fund came calling. The Clio Fund was the first organization in Maine and they started in 1974, I believe. Um, they were the first organization in Maine I don't know, maybe in the country, I have no idea, to recognize spay and neuter as a means of ending animal cruelty. So they've been spaying and neutering cats and dogs since 1974 in Maine. Anyway, they came to us because they were tired. The founders had passed on. One of the founders' best friends and her husband had been running it, and they were reaching retirement age. And so they gave it to the Animal Welfare Society. Uh, that's the shelter in West Kennebunk. And we ran it for the first couple of years as a separate nonprofit, just kind of under the umbrella of the Animal Welfare Society. And we used, continued their work of spaying and neutering cats and dogs for low-income people in southern Maine. Then we received a very large bequest, very large bequest. And to honor that bequest, we needed to blow out the Clio Fund. So we went statewide and we started offering free spay-neuter for feral cats and low-cost spay-neuter across the state for cats and dogs. And we had to get veterinarians on board because, of course, they also discount 
their rates. So right now, the Clio Fund is operating free spay neuter for ferals. We hired a full-time trapper last year, but she only works in York County. I mean, the state of Maine is just too large for one trapper. We run or ran, like I said, I just retired from there two months ago. So if I use the wrong (laughs) tense, (laughs) forgive me. We started a trap bank. That was thanks to HSUS. I just listened to the uh, Katie Lisnick's podcast before coming on, and she mentioned grants. She gave us a $10,000 grant, and with that, we bought a lot of traps, and we have a free trap bank there. So anyone that needs help or needs a trap that wants a trap themselves can just go get one. They'll be provided instruction from our trapper, or they can call our trapper, and she'll go out and do the trapping. We also got several grants. So, for instance, the Cleo Fund has a grant right now for Oxford County, Maine, specifically free ferals and uh, low cost, very low cost for owned animals. And Cleo Fund is working very closely with several um, cat trappers in Maine because what I've found is a lot of people will feed, but they don't have the knowledge or the wherewithal or the means to trap. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the only way to get our feral cat population down is with trapping help. I I can't tell you, I've we've offered free spay-neuter for ferals and a handful of people bring their own cat, bring the cats in themselves. Yep. But many will call for a trapper. So yeah, so that's the Clio Fund. It's growing and I hopefully it'll just keep growing and work in conjunction with the Help Fix Me program. Because Clio Fund, Help Fix Me, because it's a state-run program, you do have to prove that you're low-income. And Help Fix Me for Cats really does pick up the working poor, people who don't qualify for state assistance but still do need help spaying and neutering their pets. I'm really proud of Help Fix Me for being able to do that. Sharon, if there are folks that are interested in finding out about the work that you've done or find out, just to ask you questions or find out more about Spain, Maine, how could they reach out to you? They can email me. My email address is sjsikovich, S-E-C-O-V-I-C-H at gmail.com. Spay Maine maintains a website. It's not very pretty, but it lists all of the low-cost spay-neuter options in the state, and it's pretty current, um, so they can go to our website, spaymaine.org, or they can go, uh, please, like us on Facebook. We, we post on there pretty regularly um, all the deals that are happening in the state, all the organizations that get grants for spay-neuter and what they're offering. Definitely like us on Facebook. And Sherrod, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners today? I want to restate just ignorance is bliss. Just charge (laughs) ahead. Don't try to look too far out in the future or you'll scare yourself. Anybody out there who is thinking of trying to get a state-run spay-neuter program in their state, go for it. It'll happen. It happened for us, and the funding came, and we're still fighting for it. Once we're done, somebody else will step in. Thank you so much for sharing. And I would say the same is true in my case. 
a challenge came my way and I just was like, you know what, I'll just do it and figure it out later, you know? Just, yeah. And, uh, so I and think you that's, do, right? You, you figure do, you figure it out and you know, it all works out in the end yeah. and you might not necessarily know the full path, but you'll learn, you, you sort yeah. of learn as you go along. And if you don't learn, you look to find somebody who does know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't necessarily end up looking like you thought it would in right. the beginning, but it probably looks better. Sharon, I want to thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my show, and I hope we'll have you on in the future. Okay, thank you, Stacy. I'd love to be on again. Thank you for listening to the Community Cats podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would go to iTunes and leave a review of the show. It will help spread the word to help more community cats.